All right. We are back with Gareth Soloway. Gareth, how you doing? I'm doing great, Greg. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. So um, we're going to continue on our tradition of getting together when the markets have some big moves. And I think we've got a big week coming up with earnings and everything. What are you looking at? Yeah, so so I agree, right? We saw the bank earnings on Friday. JP Morgan was really the standout. And that was that was a tremendous report. Again, uh, they blew it out of the water. Um, interestingly enough, what I noticed was that while JPM was up, we saw a lot of the regionals continue to fall. And that's never a good situation uh, when you have good earnings from one bank, but the rest can't catch a bid. So, so that's a little bit of a concern going into next week. I also thought that the early sell-off in the S&P 500 was concerning as well, where you had this good news, the PPI came out the day before, everything was kind of rosy, and the markets opened up, and then they just gave it all back. And essentially, we closed flat on the day. Late in the day, we got a little float, but that's normal on a Friday with light volume at the end of the day. The big players kind of leave for the day, and you see that gentle float back up. So overall, the price action wasn't good on Friday, considering. Yeah, so let's take a look at the markets. I know you have your charts. We've got the mm -hmm. Fed decision coming up. I think it's pretty much baked in that they're going to hike 25 basis points. So I think earnings might be, you know, way more heavily on the markets than the actual Fed move coming up. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's and it is interesting to kind of see how the markets are shaping up here. We got this potential doji on Friday. Again, we have to see what the market does next week. But I think, like you said, it's earnings, right? We have we have the Netflix earnings on Tuesday after the close. Wednesday after the close is Tesla. And then the next week, we have all the big tech play companies coming in. So, you know, as I look at this market, you know, one of the big things, and this I did a video earlier this week, but I, I know a lot of people didn't see it yet. But one of the things that's concerning me is something that my head trader, Ben, pointed out, which was this pattern here, right? So what we have is this down move from the all-time highs on the S&P 500. And then even though it looks like we're making higher lows, if we look at a chart, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch screens here. I want to show you guys this because this is really earth-shattering to me in terms of what it could uh, entail. So this is the psychology of the market, right? And we, we've all probably seen this chart at some point in time. But if you look at the move we had, so here was your run, let's say from COVID up, right? So the big move to the upside, then here was your high in 2021 and the sell-off that followed. And then look at the price action following that. You're generally seeing the same, almost to a T, almost perfectly the same pattern, which denotes the complacency period on this psychology of a market chart. And what we know is that following that in general, we have a bigger down move. So to be honest, you know, looking at this, looking at how the markets have been behaving, I do think that there's a bigger sell-off coming in the in the works here in the not too distant future. Yeah, I think so too. And the other thing, let's pull up your S&P again. You know, the other thing about that psychology of the market, you know, in the traditional markets, we haven't seen a panic sell. Bitcoin looks a little different, but in traditional markets, we haven't seen that big panic sell. We saw a big drop when Russia invaded Ukraine, but go to your um, April 2022 peak. April 2022 peak. All right. So this one. Right. Oh, wait, that's August. My fault here. No, it's right after right there. Oh, yeah. There we go. Okay. Yeah. So that's March, April of 2022, exactly where we are right now. That was the end of March, 1st of April, where, you know, the we just came off a big bear market rally, and then you had a little dip, then a little pop right into March 31st, April 1st, and then it was downhill from there. Yep, absolutely. And and that's what I, you know, it's one of those things where we're, if this is a bear market end with, and again, you know, I look at past bear markets and, and this one to me could be worse than many of the past ones because you actually have a Fed that has hiked rates percentage-wise bigger than really any time in history. I don't remember, even in the 80s, 
you didn't see the percentage wise, like, like here we went from 25 basis points to 5%. I mean, think about how many hundreds of percentage points that is even versus the 1980s where we saw those interest rate increases. So, so that to me has to, at some point point play out as a shock to the system that finally comes to, to fruition. And, and it is something that I do think we will see not only the October lows of 2022, but even further on. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that holds. But, you know, I think it's setting up just like it did April of last year, you know, coming into a lot of, you know, things with the Fed still hiking. We still have, you know, recession uh, fears. You know, everybody's kind of looking at that. And then earnings is going to be the big thing. I think, you know, if earnings come in, you know, shorter than expected and then guidance is even worse. I mean, that's potentially your next catalyst. Now, let's yeah. take the flip side of that. So the flip side would be earnings come out good, better than expected. Guidance is good. We do avoid a hard landing or any kind of a recession. And, you know, the Fed does pull this thing off. I mean, we're only down on the S&P. What is that now? About 12, 14 percent from all time highs? That's right. I happen to smile when you say if the Fed actually pulls this off. And I, in my mind, I, I said to myself, has the Fed actually ever pulled anything off? <laughs> you know, nope. like, like, I don't think so. So, I mean, listen, like a black swan. I mean, what do they call it? A white swan when they miraculously pull a rabbit out of a hat? I don't know. But, but to me, that's kind of the situation where it's just like, man, like, they just haven't proven themselves to be capable and mostly because they're always late to the punch, right? Whether it was the transitory and then they had to play catch up by hiking rates so quickly. Now it's in the other camp where, where are they going to leave rates too high for too long to fight inflation? Um, because that's the kind of the boogeyman. And then does it cause us to kind of go into a spiral? And that's, that's my camp at least. I also think that you've seen certain stocks. Like if we flip over to the Apple chart here, right? Apple's had a remarkable move. Absolutely remarkable move off of the lows. It's not that far off all-time highs. But if you compare Apple's chart to a lot of the other just average companies out there, you've seen rotation into what you, we would call best of breed as a safety play, right? So NVIDIA, Apple, Microsoft, right? And, and to me, that's a concern because it's 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 not that people believe that Apple is a great value here. And in all fairness, I think it trades at like a, a, a 30 or 25 forward PE. And historically, that's that's even rich, even in bull markets. But it's more that are people just hiding in those plays while the rest of the market continues to kind of languish. And you could bring up a bunch. I mean, there's so many just kind of average companies that aren't known as those special companies, and their charts are not very good at all. And again, it, to me, it spells people hiding right now. And then at some point, they will get freaked out enough to even exit those. And when we see Apple and NVIDIA and Microsoft collapse, that's where the NASDAQ really comes hard down. It is. And, you know, the NASDAQ is still down 22% from all-time highs. So, you know, it hasn't made up as much ground, you know, necessarily as the S&P and the overall down move. You know, the other interesting thing to your point there um, is when you look at the Dow. You know, the Dow is right. only down at this point, what, 7.5-8% from all-time highs. Yep. That's right. That's right. It's not down much at all. And then same thing, a lot of defensive names are in the Dow. I mean, it does have Apple, obviously, but we know Apple's performed and, and a lot of people will tell you, I mean, I, I watch, you know, occasionally CNBC and I can't tell you how many analysts have said, yeah, Apple's a defensive play. Um, you know, Maybe, maybe, but I do happen to think that, you know, spending a 1300 on an iPhone, you know, it's, that's a pretty aggressive spending habit. And and very quickly, people could say, hey, listen, I'm not going to upgrade my iPhone this cycle right away because money's tight. And, you know, you just postpone that by a few months across the board. And you're talking about a major dip in earnings for Apple. Well, they're, they're you know, they just had their, you know, biggest decline in Mac shipments on record. So we know that that uh, is definitely going to be down. It'll be interesting to see Apple earnings. 
Um, you know, and you know, the other thing too, so for the bullish case, you know, the, the economy is still strong, the consumer is still strong, the job market is still doing well, but yet inflation is starting to cool a little bit. So yeah. the theory is if inflation can come down, you know, to 3% before the end of the year, the Fed could potentially, you know, be done hiking after this meeting. Um, you know, there's so much capital still in the system that the Fed hasn't pulled out. How does the Fed pull capital out of the system? They're holding these assets on their balance sheet, mortgage backed right. securities, treasuries, things like that. When they sell that into the market, you know, that takes capital away from risk assets. So, I mean, there's still seven trillion on the Fed's balance sheet that hasn't that, that is still actively floating in the market that hasn't been removed. So if the Fed sits tight on that, they're only reducing the balance sheet, you know, I think what by half a billion or something or half a trillion so far. You know, right. They certainly haven't unloaded like I think they would have liked to. And a part of that probably is the banking crisis that's now emerging. They have to be a little bit more careful there. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm keeping an eye on, too, is that you have the scenario of a lot of these these companies that are starting to send up warning signals and even the jobs report. Right. So we just got the jobs report about a week ago. And and it was a little bit like if you looked at the ADP private sector, that missed and came in a little bit lighter. Even the jobs report itself, the non-farm payroll is a little bit lighter. And even continuing jobless claims were higher than expected. So more people staying on unemployment. Now, right now, the Fed is cheering that because they want that to happen. But the question is, is it just the beginning of that? And is there a long way of job reduction and and, and layoffs coming? Or is it is it just going to be a little bit blip here? Maybe unemployment goes back to 4% and then it stops right there. And and again, it's all about can the Fed engineer, like you said, is it can they engineer the soft landing? <laughs> Nobody thinks they can. Uh, you know, but everybody thinks that they're, you know, they're going to have to pivot and start reducing and cutting. Not everybody, but there is a majority now of a narrative and that's what the markets are betting on that they're going to start cutting rates you know q3 yeah. so uh i just i just don't see that i don't think the fed reputationally can do that and i don't think the economy's in a, in a position that they can but the markets are betting that there's going to be some sort of an incident that's going to force the fed to cut rates and if that's the case then we're going to see a big drop in the markets you know before yeah. they do that and, and and one of the things to keep in mind too is that historically so number one, the Fed is banking, or at least the the investing public is banking e on easier money policy. We've even seen the bonds, bond yields come in substantially from their highs over the last six plus months. But if you look historically at it, when the Fed actually starts cutting rates, usually that's a negative for the markets, right? right. Um, even though people right now are like, oh, that's what we want. We want that to happen. But that his history doesn't show that that's the way it works out, mainly because if they're cutting, things must be really bad. <laughs> Exactly. Let's take a look at Bitcoin. I know the trend line that we've been watching got pierced the other yep. day. Yep, absolutely. So this is a cool chart, right? And and so, you know, needless to say, I, there's so many bulls out there, which by the, by in and of itself is concerning to me. But my level, again, we talked about this, I think it was about two plus weeks ago when we were chatting, 30,500. And, and what's a remarkable here is that you just continue to hammer on this. On Friday, we saw a push above it. But by the end of the day, we closed right at that level. And here we are down ticking again. Granted, it's the weekend. So, you know, light volume, you know, it's it's one of those weird things, right? Bitcoin's open on the weekends, but I don't put a lot of stock in the price action on Bitcoin because it's such light volume over the weekend. But I think that Monday is going to be a pivotal Monday, Tuesday, very pivotal for Bitcoin because you'll get some more price action going in there with the markets open and, and yields and the dollar moving. 
the question is, can it break above this level? If it breaks above that level, like I think we talked about a couple of weeks ago, for me, it needs to show me that it can stay above there for a certain amount of days, multiple, multiple days versus just a quick blip above fooling everyone and then coming right back in. But this is a huge level psychologically, right? I mean, this again, we talked about this last time, but you're going back to these levels here, going back to the lows of the bull market, even the pre big run here. And then even this consolidation area over here. And that's, that's my biggest issue is the charts right now still show that we're into this area. And then number two is, to me, the bullish sentiment in crypto right now is like is very similar to when I made the call that sixty nine thousand was going to be a fall and we were going to go to twenty thousand. And it's that cycle psycho We looked at that psychology of the market chart earlier. Those those things are kind of eating at me in terms of whether or not this bear market is fully over. Now, whether or not we've made the lows, obviously, you know, we should know in the next six months or so. But at least in the near term, something likely to me will trigger a sell off back down a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, the so a couple of things here. So the last three years in April, there's been big drops in Bitcoin. So if you look at where we're at now, you know, March, April, then look at, you know, 2022, March, April, look at 2021, March, April. They've all been the, you know, the peak of the, uh, you know, market right. for that season. Yep. Right there. And then if you go back the year before, it was right before that final top in Bitcoin where right. March, April happened and big drop. So that's number one. Number two, if you look at the psychology of the markets, you know, you've got two ways to look at this. It, it, it almost, you know, if you put it on the weekly, it looks a little better where you can kind of track it a little better. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it can almost look like we're on the downside of that um, psychology of the market in the, you know, past the anger phase and more of that consolidation for the next bull run. Because you could argue that that April to July was capitulation. You could, you know, you could argue that maybe there was a little panic selling because of FTX and you know, the other things that were going on. You know, but the same token, you know, you you could argue that we're still in that complacency stage because so many people are bullish and so many people do think. And then you get the old saying, well, if everybody's saying the same thing, right, do the opposite. And there are, I think, the majority of the people that think we're back into a new bull cycle yes. you know, for Bitcoin, especially with the halving, you know, coming up in a couple of years. And typically what does Bitcoin do before the halving? You know, it goes on a little bit of a move. It rolls over, retests, you know, the lows are near it and then goes on the bull run. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I agree with you. And definitely, definitely the the bulls are now in full control of the narrative um, with the bears being kind of smacked down at this point, no doubt about it. So I, here's I the real question. What do you think if the markets do sell off and we retest or break the lows, is Bitcoin going to follow? Or do you think Bitcoin now has detached somehow and tied itself more, to, more towards gold store value and, you know, can withstand a major market sell off? I'm still in the camp personally that it's still mostly, I would say three quarters of it is a risk asset. Um, you know, what What I've noticed over the last three, four years of Bitcoin is that it, it was 95% a risk asset. Well, at one point it was 100%. Then it was 95, then it was 90, then it was 85, 80, and now we're at 75. So like through the banking crisis, there's no doubt about it. That was an awesome situation for Bitcoin. We showed it decouple when the markets were selling off there. So so I think it's slowly maturing. It's kind of like a, an adolescent that needs to get into adulthood here and mature. Um, but I, I still think that in this scenario, if you see a real panic hit the stock market, we see, let's say 20% down. My guess is it does decline um, for the most part. I think like gold, like even like in all fairness, if it's full out panic, everything declines, right? We even saw gold and COVID quickly dip before recovering. But the question then is, if it's a longer term bear market in, in stocks, 
I still think it does get put pressure on it, but again, slowly it's maturing into an, a gold type entity. Yeah, I'm with you. I think, you know, the Bitcoin community, um, retail, it's more of a store value long-term play, but I still think institutional and traders, it's still a risk asset. Yeah. And what's kind of I think funny it can about, be risk on and risk off. What's funny about that is the Bitcoin community, they 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 always talk it up like a gold, like a digital gold, right? Like, oh, this is this is the anti-volatility play. But in reality, what they really want is the volatility, right? In a bull market, when you can see Bitcoin go up four or 500%, that's fantastic. That doesn't happen with a gold asset, right? You're not going to see that in gold. And so there's this kind of weird dichotomy there where people want it to be a store of value and, and kind of an offset to kind of the craziness. But at the same time, you usually don't get the crazy, positive, insane moves from a, a risk asset that's like gold. Yeah. Let's take a look at gold real real quick. I'm seeing a triple top in gold with a big reversal. What, what are you looking at? Yeah, so so I'm I'm with you on that one. Is is you're definitely coming up to that. We did hit just on Friday or Thursday this kind of this upsloping trend line right here through the recent highs. So to see a little bit of a sell off there, not a big surprise. Um, but I I agree, you're coming up into a range where there's going going to be a massive wall. Um, usually at triple tops. So triple tops are different than double tops. Double tops you usually see a big pullback. Triple tops it's usually a a sl slightly lesser pullback. Uh, and then a breakout. So again, usually you'll see that type of action. So if we did get up there, I would still expect a pullback, but it would be a shallow pullback, maybe 1900, maybe 1875 before that next leg up. I still think that that gold in terms of risks is probably the the lesser of the risky assets to be in here with, with a decent reward to it. Yeah. So if you go back to the 2018 time period where we had the last credit crunch that you had that triple top scenario and then it went on, you know, to to make a bigger move after a pullback. Yeah. Yeah. 2018 back yeah, here. Yeah. Right in that area right there. Yeah. There was a nice little top area here and then the pullback. That was actually a pretty decent pullback. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So but now it looks a lot to me like that same kind of price action going on now. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And what's interesting is this was when I still remember vividly trading this is that this is when the December kind of the late day, the late in the year, uh, the Fed started to hike rates, which most people again think is negative for gold. But that actually began this upward channel of of, you know, the well, the Fed backed off. In all fairness, the Fed was starting to hike rates and then they, yeah, backed they started off and right started there and then high. December. they, they Yeah. Pivoted. And then off to the races we went. So, yeah, I mean, gold to me, it continues to be my favorite safe asset, um, even if after this run. I still think, you know, you're going to get pullbacks just like any asset out there. But for me, it's 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 the metal that that is probably going to be the safest one with the best reward out there. Awesome. Well, Gareth, I appreciate you carving out a few minutes today to go over the charts. No, it's my pleasure, Greg. I love chatting you. I know everyone loves listening to us. So thanks for having me and uh, let's do it again soon. Yep, sounds good.